Hello everyone and welcome to Web3 Marketing with Becky and Racky. I'm Racky and I'm joined by Becky, my co-host, who will come into the episode a little bit later on. Today we are delving into the role of the curator and the community manager in, web, in NFT communities with the one and only Law, who is head curator and community manager over at Hug. So first things first, Law, it would be great if you could introduce yourself if you could introduce Hug and tell us a little bit about how you got into Web3. Yeah, definitely. I mean, welcome. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I'm Lore. I am the community manager and a head curator at Hug. So Hug is founded by Randy Zuckerberg and Debbie Soon. Uh, it's geared towards Web3 creators. And ultimately, the main mission of Hug is to build a more diverse and inclusive ecosystem. So we like to call it the Inclusiverse. Uh, we do this a couple different ways. We have a community review platform that helps people discover new projects. So we have a community curated collection of kind of projects and artists on our platform for folks to discover, um, as well as offer a ton of educational mentorship programs. So we have, uh, as a lot of folks know, uh, our incubator and accelerator. So we have a lot of tools and programs for creators by creators, uh, and we're kind of excited to build this inclusive verse. So uh, a little bit about me, uh, I kind of was talking with the host right before this about a little bit what I, what I did in the past, but um, how did I get into Web3 is a great question. Um, I was definitely not super well-versed in anything crypto, anything Web3. As If you asked me this like two years ago, I'd probably be like, hmm, I think I kind of get it. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of how I got into Web3, I was kind of playing around with different blockchains and, and coins. I was curious in Sand. Um, in particular, I was kind of in, in, like interested in the thought of the metaverse. Um, I also was kind of playing around with wax collectibles. So on the wax blockchain, there was some pretty eco-friendly collectibles that I was looking into at the time. Um, I started playing with ETH and then kind of discovered ETH NFTs. And what really drew me in was kind of the community of people who kind of rallied around those NFTs. I think I joined kind of in the midst of bull run. So I would say uh, a lot of those communities and stuff that I was looking at were very active at the time. And it was really intriguing to me to have seen, I guess, people rally around these NFTs on Discord. I thought that was really unique, especially given COVID. Um, nobody's really talking to anyone else, right? So I ended up kind of buying my first NFT, first few NFTs, actually. I think my very first NFT I'd ever bought was um, Alpha Girl Club, which I still hold to this day. Um, I'm just, I think I'm emotionally attached to it, right? At this point, it's like we're all emotionally attached to like that one NFT that we buy at the beginning. Um, but I really loved kind of like diving into different communities. So I started investing in, you know, more communities, buying more NFTs for different communities that I like the art or the missions of. Um, and then I kind of just segued into kind of collecting one of one artists and things of that nature. Got really interested in collecting for a particular artist that I was finding and then kind of just expanding my reach of artists from that. And then I fell headfirst into kind of all these communities as a result. Um, fast forward to International Women's Day, which was March of this year. Um, the funny thing is uh, I had never really thought like, oh, how am I going to get a job in Web3? Uh, I, I kind of just, you know, thought like I would really like to work in Web3. And then and I didn't really think about much else. Um, and so on International Women's Day, I was like, you know, what? a moment of clarity. I'm going to tweet out into the world. I want a job in Web3. That's my women International Women's Day wish. Uh, so I sent out that tweet and within 45 minutes, I got a message from Debbie soon. She's like, Hey, um, what are you interested in doing? And I was like, honestly, Debbie, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm interested in doing, <laughs> but you know, at the time I was definitely interested at, at, at uh, hug at the time had launched their community curator program. So they were looking for curators to join in, uh, into kind of what they were doing. And I was like, oh, that's definitely me. I would definitely love to be a curator. Uh, but at the time after I tweeted that Debbie sent me a DM, she said, Hey, would you be interested in leading the curation process? Uh, and I was like, my, my honest to God reaction, and I'm sorry if in advance if I can't curse on here, but my honest to God reaction was, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, I'm not really sure how to do this. Uh, and I was kind of unsure, right? Like I was thinking like, how am I going to kind of do this? If I've never worked in Web3 before. Um, you know, I've, I kind of generally understand what building a community looks like, but never done it myself in this space, but I've been a part of a lot of different communities. Um, at this point, I was I was actually a catalyst at Meta Angels, so I was kind of doing you know kind of modly kind of duties on a volunteer basis. So just getting to understand how communities worked, um, and then you know she said you want to give it a try. Let's talk next week and meet uh, and see how it, see if it's a good fit. And so you know I was like ecstatic through the moon, like holy crap, my my International Women's Day wish got fulfilled in like less than an hour. 
Um, and so I met Debbie that next Monday. We talked a little bit about the role. She was like, I'd love to bring you on for two weeks. You can try, you know, like, we, let's see how it goes. Um, and then that kind of was the, you know, the start of something great. Um, I think that we built, you know, I, at the time when I joined, uh, I was like, do we have a Discord? And Debbie and Randy were like, I, I don't know. I, we don't have one yet. Uh, and I just thought, let me take a stab at building it. Um, I had played a lot of games prior, like as, as you know, as a young like teen into a young adulthood, I was like definitely into gaming. So I had used Discord a lot in my past. So I was familiar with it. So I said, uh, you know, let me look at some Web3 web security stuff and try to build out the Discord. Um, so I built out the Discord from scratch. And then, you know, we started kind of doing the community curation process. Uh, and that's kind of how I'm here now um, with kind of this whole array of platform and um, community and hug studios and all this stuff is happening all at the same time. But um, that's kind of how I landed here is just kind of the rest was history after that moment. So all I had to do really was just tweet, um, you know, I'd love to work in Web3 and somebody took notice. So it was, it was a really lucky, really awesome kind of lucky and ubiquitous uh, happenstance, I would say. I feel like it was super lucky of Debbie to see that tweet and then you know next thing I know you know Randy's like excited to work with you and the whole team's like welcome to the team you know and it's, it was it was crazy it was a whirlwind for sure of how I got here um but it was fast it was really fast so you know you have to learn fast as a result what a story that is I love that I really love your story <laughs> um but I think the thing that you missed out there is that you'd done all the hard graph before you sent out the tweet like you were doing yeah. it in terms of you were enjoying it um, so maybe it didn't feel like work because you were Yeah, not at all. Yeah, not at yeah. all. So I was definitely, uh, I, at the time, I remember Meta Angels put out a call for catalysts, uh, catalysts being kind of the folks who connect people. They have a unique wishing well system over at Meta Angels and uh, community members can make wishes. And then you can, the catalysts kind of role is to not just be a mod for the community, but to help connect those folks who are looking for, you know, like I, maybe I'm coming in looking for a mentor uh, and I know somebody who's, you know, pretty well versed. I can put you in connection with one another. So that's kind of how I started was just doing that on a volunteer basis. Like, weekly like for an hour like in the mornings um and i just yeah i just did it because i was interested and that's kind of how i started was just to jumping in these communities getting to know these other folks starting kind of these separate conversations outside of these communities and just building up friendships with folks um and it's yeah I, I guess yeah it's a little bit like a hard graft i would say um of just kind of getting to know folks but at the time i wasn't really you know i wasn't expecting like oh i'm gonna get hired instantly or anything i was just kind of like i want to put feelers out um and i'm still like looking to um you know think about what projects i'd like to be good for but hug came my way and you know the rest is history on that you know i think it's like i've never been one to be like oh just manifest it right but it ended up working out so maybe there's some truth to it yeah <laughs> totally yeah. Yeah, um, I was actually so we've, we had a question later on, but I'm just going to bring it forward because you kind of touched upon it. So mm -hmm. it would be great if you've um, got any advice to give around, you know, for someone who's thinking about getting a job in in Web3 or, or, you know, starting to, to find a job as a community manager or, or you know, a curator role like like the one that you hold at Hug. Um, but you, you know, you've sort of touched upon it in terms of just, you know, dip your feet in. But if you've got any other tips, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, like if you're looking for like a community manager role, I think not to sound too much like Nike, but just do it. Um, I would say, you know, find a community you really like, be an active part of it. You can learn a lot about how to lead a community if you understand how to think as a community member. Um, I think asking around for personal time with community managers, you really like to ask them a little bit about their journeys is a great way to go. Like just having that like that interpersonal connection with those folks is like so immensely helpful. I think like for me, kind of being just a volunteering and seeing the, the, the way that people operated and like kind of behind the scenes was a really good way to learn. Um, you know, you may not get paid for it immediately. You may, you know, you may not see kind of a, the immediate gain of doing that. But I think that having that kind of knowledge of like, oh, I remember when, you know, I was in this community, I was kind of observing their community team uh, going through this XYZ crisis, it was easy to kind of apply what they did to mitigate or solve for those crises on my own kind of community. So I think, you know, a lot of times folks might respond to your messages in terms of like, oh, let's connect. And that's okay. I think, but the people who do respond will have a lot of great info for you. And that's like a great place to start for community managers or folks who are interested in kind of dipping, you know, dipping a finger into the, the pool of community management. Um, in terms of curation, though, I think 
Um, if you're interested in getting, you know, a, you know, start in understanding like kind of what it takes to be a curator, like at Hug, all of our community members are automatically curators. So if you have a Hug Pass, we consider you a curator and you can get involved with us immediately. Um, I lead kind of weekly tasks to get involved, whether that's voting on the projects to uh, pass into the database, um, whether that's uh, open and we just opened up reviews on platform. So now we're directing curators to be able to review projects in real time on platform. And then other curators are actually moderating those reviews. So, you know, it's like all kind of within the same ecosystem of the community. So the community is really in control. Um, so, like you know, you can always get involved with us if you're interested in learning more about curation and being part of a group of tastemakers who really kind of push to make, you know, truly inclusive and diverse projects like the forefront of the space. Um, I think in general, though, if, if yeah, I think just discover and soak up all the space that has to offer, like if you're looking at curation, find artists that are underserved, reach out to them, get to know them, find folks worth sharing and start there. Um, find artists you like, see who's in their circles. I know that's one of the ways I love to find kind of new artists um, and, and start kind of building that curation reputation, right? As just like continuing to search and discover new folks, um, start putting out Twitter threads, um, again, I think just do it. The space is so small. I think people will notice no matter what. Um, and I, I think like with curation, especially, it tends to be that once you kind of have set the precedent of like, these are works that I really value and I continue to kind of share that with folks, people will see that pattern. I mean, I was more of a collector than anything at the time of being found by Hug. I think it was, I was just kind of collecting, like, you know, really cool artists that were like, before they were kind of getting popular. Um, I was jumping on these trains and kind of buying the art and people were seeing kind of the trend of like those artists getting more popular afterward and whatnot. So folks were starting to see me as a tastemaker. And that was kind of, um, you know, months later, Debbie had said, like, that's kind of the reason I had DM'd you is because you had to kind of already set this kind of precedent for yourself as somebody who's finding that art um, and kind of putting attention on that art. And it, it was aligning kind of to the mission that we had at Hug. So ultimately, you know, if that's your goal or you're interested in community management or creation in those ways, like just do it, just get involved. I think that's the easiest way. Um, I know it sounds so like basic, right? Like just do it. But I mean, ultimately the more you put yourself out there, the more people will see you. Um, and I think that's a really big thing when it comes to community and creation is just visibility. Um, so I think that's my biggest tip. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, it would be great if we could just take a step back actually. And if you're able to um, kind of outline um, what the role of um, head curator or, you know, cu curator kind of actually entails, that would be wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it's a definitely a unique thing, right? Especially in Web3, community manager can mean so many things. Um, I think I function as a bit of a community manager, but also have a lot to do with curation of projects and artists that you see on the platform at thehug.xyz. So I do a little bit of everything. Um, I run curation. So I organize our community to vote, review, and find projects and artists for the platform. So I run uh, our Discord in phases weekly with our daily updates. And I tend to say like, you know, this week, and I give a deadline, um, any projects not an artist nominated in this time frame will bring up to a vote next week and we'll all be able to vote on these projects. Uh, when these projects pass through, I'll give you a rundown the following week of what exactly passed through, we'll open it up again for nominations. And then in that time that we're kind of nominating again, I'm putting all those projects into the database. And then as that hits the database, curators are able to see those new projects come in, review them, moderate those reviews and get all those, um, all feedback onto those projects. So I work to QA the database weekly with community volunteers. So like I said, our, our hug community is really it's really unique in the sense that everyone who's a part and has a hug pass is like totally welcome to join whether they want to or not. It's completely at will. So folks, you know, who are really keen on being a part of kind of the QA of the database and really maintaining and moderating can do it if they want to. And folks who just want to pop in and, you know, say, I found a random project today and I want to kind of throw it in front of y'all can, you know, can do that too. So it's, you know, no matter your level of involvement, we kind of have a space for you to kind of get involved. Um, so at the same time, though, I work with devs to ideate and streamline processes. So we start with um, start with back in the inception of Hug, like we started with like these on-platform experiences and process to submit. So uh, to kind of give you a little bit of color, uh, at the beginning of Hug, the way we did everything was like, we're talking like what you see now on the hug.xyz was like months and months of iteration. Uh, when we started the Hug, it was a Discord I built, 300 people we invited specifically who had applied to be part of the curation program. Uh, and they came in and then I started running phases. I said, this is the first phase. We're just going to input all the projects that we think deserve more light. And then we're going to start voting on them and reviewing them as groups. And so we worked on that as like kind of a unit. 
Um, and so all the projects you're seeing on the platform all came from that. You're, we're talking like empty Notion database, like empty Excel sheet, 300 people on it at the same time throwing in stuff. Um, and it's like overnight we had like hundreds of projects. Uh, and then, then I was like, okay, well now we have to refine, right? Because like not every project's going to make it, right? Um, and so, you know, that was a whole process to kind of do it in phases. So it's like the first phase was throwing everything on the Notion. Second phase was refining. Third phase was vetting. And then fourth phase was kind of like, uh, taking into account certain projects that are underserved and then seeing how we could boost their um, presence on the platform and things of that nature. So it was, it was a huge collaborative effort. I literally think every single one of those OG huggers that was there as a community curator from day one is pivotal to uh, what we have now. So I think like in terms of um, kind of what I do, like that was kind of uh, the community side, but I was also kind of working dev side to report back into like um, you know, the folks who are actually coding the platform, like, hey, these are the, the features that folks like really like, these are problems we're running into, these are places we can get lifts. Um, and then just basically taking that web two style of like forms, notion, Excel docs, and just like making them more streamlined so that people can come on platform and have the experience on platform. So I know recently we just did reviews on platform. We just launched that. So now you can log in with your hug pass uh, and review uh, a project uh, just on platform directly through a form. Before that was like a whole manual process. You had to do it through web two means and then I had to compile them, give them the devs to import. So we're happy to just kind of continue to streamline these processes because I think it's, a, it's, it's what makes hugs special, super special. Um, but ultimately, like otherwise, I think um, I tend to also do a lot of other kind of community related uh, activities outside of just the platform. Um, I keep tabs on all the updates and the community at large. So something unique we do at Hug is I do a daily update every, Monday through Friday every day. Um, the only time I don't do it is when I'm out of office. And sometimes I'll even have my community coordinator, Nicole, um, step in for me in that time. But uh, I tend to do a complete update head to toe what's happening with curation, what's happening across the board with the, the project. So folks know every day, like what's changing, what's coming, what's new, and they can kind of get it at a glance. I like to call it a T-Lore DR um, because, you know, it tends to get kind of long sometimes. And there's always so much happening in the space. Like I wish somebody would just write it up for me, you know? Um, so that's something that we do kind of a little special. And then at, at Hug, we also have the... Uh, committees. So we have hug committees uh, geared towards like different community led initiatives and focuses. So I work with all the committee heads, which are basically just community members that were voted in to be leading leading on these committees. So uh, a little color about the committees is you'll notice like all the hug NFTs are uh, left and right side of a pair. And so when you have a matching pair, you fall into a certain committee that has a certain focus. Um, and those committee heads were elected in by their committees to kind of lead their committees on community led engagements and events and ideas, workshops, whatever is um, and so they kind of have shared goals like moonbeam media team is if you have both pairs of the space hugs and those folks are you know geared towards learning um, how to better themselves in the space how to build their brand and so you know their their committee head and their kind of committee worked on creating web3 branding techniques all through this month and shared them through our twitter um, we basically give our community the ability to kind of do takeovers on our twitter so we kind of let them leverage us to build themselves up so it's a lot of kind of fun in terms of seeing what the committee heads execute because like like each committee has a different focus. We have security committees, we have uh, merch committees, we have um, we have uh, partnerships committees, we have all kinds of things. So it's very community led and community oriented. And basically, like we've really tried to build Hug out in a way where it's like, um, if if you know, if there's a place for you to belong, we'll make it. <laughs> we'll carve it out for you. Um, so yeah, it's 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 crazy. But um, in terms of like what I do in in terms of that, like kind of my day to day. So I also plan the like community events, hangouts on Discord. I just spent like a, like a whole bunch of hours this week writing like all these ideations on these Halloween events. So you, uh, like my whole um, hug Slack is like booming. <laughs> since I released a couple, a little bit of alpha for what I had planned for October. Um, but I'm also weirdly enough called the discord madam of hug because I'm the, a total discord security nerd. So I always try to learn the latest and greatest when it comes to organization security. But um, if there's a pro, if there's a, like a part of hug that has to do with community, I'm probably there. So you can, that's, if you can, if you can name something that's probably community related, I'm probably in there somewhere. <laughs> wow. The, that, I thank you so much for like sharing yeah all the all the aspects of what um, your role entails. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting is that you that all of the members can be curators, mm -hmm. um, and so that got me thinking about you know because one like one of our goals with this um, podcast um, is to help um, marketers 
uh, transition into Web3 um, and, and with marketing, like sometimes it's a, it's a role on its own or sometimes it's a combined marketing and community management role, um, which is why we you know thought it would be so valuable to, to chat with you today. And so I thought that was that's really interesting because you can you can gain that experience um, just by being um, a member of the hug um, and get that experience firsthand in curation. Um, so I think that's like really unique that like not not all communities have that option there that you can have a have a direct impact in like what gets what ends up on the platform. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a lot of it is just um, taste making kind of being the the person who kind of, you know, decides what is kind of worth putting out there. I think there's so much oversaturation in Web3, um, especially when you go on like OpenSea and you just click like digital collectibles or something right? or art. Like, what does that really mean? It doesn't really give you any segmentation. I can't look for artists by attributes or anything. So it's kind of a different way to search uh, for, for that kind of stuff. So it's, a, it's, it's an interesting thing, especially when it comes to curation as a marketing strategy, right? It's, it's definitely kind of an interesting point. Yeah, and that actually um, leads into um, the next question that we have for you, because I, I really um, believe, and I, and I think Rocky also feels this way, that, you know, what in Web3 curators are the new influencers. Um, you know, we're, it's, like you said, there's this, there's a real problem in um, finding um, the projects that are aligned to, um, to like what your goals are, right? If, if there's certain like values that you have and you're like, oh, I want to find my like-minded people. I want to find my people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many projects and every day there's new projects, you know, so many new projects launching. And so there's a real, um, you know, disconnect in, in being able to find those. And so that's where curators really come in um, to, you know, connect individuals to those communities um, and, and to the bigger, you know, ideas that they represent. So um, my question for you is what should marketers know about Web3 curating? How, how should we go about weaving curation into our marketing strategy? I think that's a great question. Um, I think with Web3, you start to see the creation of decentralized tastemaking, right? Like units of people or individual people who can really make waves with strategic collection or curation, which I think is an interesting shift from kind of the traditional like art collection mentality. Um, Curation doesn't apply to every collection, I would say. Like if you were like a gaming or like a, you know, like a utility-based NFT of some sort, you might not always benefit from something like that. But in projects where there is some level of tastemaking, there's definitely something there with having creators or curators or folks just dictate kind of the next big project or artist. There's, I think, something satisfying about being the first to find something. (laughs) I think uh, continually being the first is like addicting almost. And especially in a space so new, being that first person is just like, it's like almost bragging rights, right? So I think if your project has a way to involve the community in some way, it's something worth considering. Like having your core community members help drive your project is something that we kind of focused on from the very beginning. Um, Like I said before, like we opened about 300 curators applied with thoughtful applications. Like we reviewed all the applications. Uh, They worked with us to build out the entire platform you see today, like blank to this, um, worked in phases, rewarded along the way. And then folks grew to trust us in a way that we kind of trusted them to help us curate and taste make. So while I don't, I guess, I, I guess I don't necessarily have instructions per se on how you can weave creation in your existing strategies, but I do think that there's, um, there's definitely something there in terms of just thinking about coming up with innovative ways for your community to be involved um, and help them know and feel that they belong. I think a lot of the times is projects can get it right in terms of getting the right folks in, but getting their folks to see like, how can I contribute to our shared vision is what's really difficult. Um, and that's something that we try really hard. I'm not saying that we're perfect for sure, but um, that we try definitely very, very, very hard to, to make, so, make it sure that, that everyone who is kind of looking for a place to fit in or looking for a way to get involved can get involved uh, and kind of building that out so that it's we're receptive to kind of like continual feedback folks feel comfortable giving that feedback uh and then just kind of working with them to continually build that bond of of trust and kind of let them feel empowered to taste make um kind of with our vision of the inclusive verse right so like uh, a great example being kind of like uh, approaching certain categorizations on the platform right like we had a uh, um 
a number of founder attributes that we had, had kind of came up with. So it was like Asian founded, Latino founded, uh, LGBTQIA plus founded. So we could like find project uh, project founders by certain attributes uh, if I wanted to support like a given project, right? Uh, and then someone had mentioned in our DEI discussion channel on Discord, like I'd love to see more inclusion for folks who, you know, have chronic disabilities or have, um, you know, uh, you know, they may identify as folks with disabilities or chronic conditions. And I think what we ended up doing is we ended up adding those attributes as ways to identify um, because we thought, you know, that's a really good point. In order to really be inclusive, we should take into account all these things. And like, I think setting an example of like, we, we hear you, we want to be inclusive of that and actually doing something to push towards that is, is really shows like that strength of community. And I think ultimately, if you're trying to kind of get folks to help you, you need to kind of outline exactly how they can get involved or be a part of that mission with you. Um, I think that's the hardest part about doing it all, I think is just getting folks to understand where they can get involved. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of projects struggle is they, you know, it's hard for folks to understand where to get involved and they end up losing interest as a result. Even if they had that shared kind of commonality with you at the beginning, it's, it's hard for them to stay maintained if they don't know where they fit in. Those are some really, really good, I've been like taking notes as, as even, <laughs> Speaking, no, because those are really, really good points. This, um, I, you said like builds trust um, for your community members. Um, you're outlining how they can get involved. Um, I think you're right. I think um, you know, it, it's it's sometimes like sometimes it's it, like I mean this is kind of a different example, but um, for me, like when I was um, like I've been doing my hundred days of Web three journey and tweeting about um, things that I've been learning in Web three. And then, um, you know, in my bio, I had something like, you know, working on, you know, transitioning into Web3. But then I thought, you know, I don't think anybody actually knows that I'm actually looking for a job right now. <laughs> I don't think I've actually spelled it out that like, you know, hey, like I, I'm looking for work. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I, I did, like you did, I did a tweet one day and I was like, I'm, I'm interested in a Web3 marketing role. Um, here's where I can add value. And I did like a, a little um, brief thread and same thing happened to me. I, I got noticed and um, eventually got the role that I'm in now. And so it's like, <laughs> same, same thing, the, ma the magic of, of Web3 Twitter. But, um, you know, I think that it's like, if you don't tell people how they can get involved or how they can help you or how they can, in the, in the case of community, you know, advance the mission and, and, and realize the vision, then, then they're just kind of, you know, they, they, they don't know what, what else to do except to be um, a more passive participant. Um, but this is a way that people can be actively participating um, through, through cur curation. So it's, and also I think too, for, uh, from a marketing standpoint, you get to align the strategic partnerships that make the most sense for mm -hmm. your community. You know, like if you, if you're, if you have people who have the ear to the ground and they're, you know, they're really looking at who are, what are the projects in this space that are similar to, you know, to the, this project and what I'm interested in. And then it becomes time to be like, Hey guys, um, Hey everybody, is there, you know, a, are there projects that you think that we should partner with? Like oftentimes founders will like post about that. And then the curators can come in and be like, yeah, actually there's, you know, these, list of uh, projects and then boom now you have like added value um for everyone that's in that community everyone that's in the other community you're exposing people to you know to what the other projects are working on so i think there, there's another level to it like from a strategic partnership perspective um where having a curation strategy can can help you level up <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned partnerships too, because um, one thing that we do at Hug is our stealth mode squad, which is basically if you have a, an invisible Hug pair, that stealth mode squad is actually a um, a committee that's led by the community. So we have an amazing community member, Joanna, um, who is the head of that committee. And actually we have a form for partnerships and allow lists. So projects apply to that form and they go directly to the committee. They actually do not go through the team. Uh, so the committee and the community votes. So jo what Joanna does is she compiles all the information that they send us. She puts it up on Discord through a voting channel uh, that's only for stealth mode squad. And they go in and they vote. 
yes or no on the project of, of whether or not we should partner with them. And if they do, then we offer that to the committee. We skew some of the, the spots to the committee and then we give the rest to the community at large. So the committee actually gets involved and really drives kind of what, what we partner with and who we partner with um, and kind of has, you know, the best, the community's interest at mind, right? Because I think when you have, when you empower the community to make those decisions, I mean, they're going to make the best decision for kind of the community as a whole. Uh, and so what ends up happening is, you know, we have, um, we have one of our mods working on outgoing. So like there's a kind of streamline there of folks who are kind of out and finding, you know, new opportunities, but also opportunities that come in, we actually just let the committee vote on them. And then we run and coordinate based off of what they decide. I like that approach a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's really great. It just sounds like from what you're saying, you know, just the, the best way is just to get your community really involved from, from A to Z, just, you know, from the onset and carry on that way. Um, which I think like it would, it would be really interesting to, um, to talk about a little bit more about community building and, um, you know, you've talked about this idea of, you know, be really strong in terms of be clear about what your mission is. Um, be really clear around how community men members can get involved. Um, and, you know, that's a really, that's a really great way of building trust. Um, just building upon those principles um, or, or giving us any, any of your other powers of wisdom from, from all the community engagement activity that you've done over the past, past few years, it would be great if we could get a sense from you um, on your thoughts on how best projects can start in their community building journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like the best place to start if you're, you know, a new NFT project and you want to start kind of that journey of community building, definitely start with that first initial core group of people. Focus on finding folks who are like-minded to you, who are passionate about the ultimate goal and cause of your project and will make you that much closer to your mission. Um, I think engage them, understand them, give them a voice, let them have a say in what you have to create. Um, and I actually thought about this and I thought this was funny and I actually wrote this down to mention is that yesterday our co-founder Debbie Soon actually tweeted uh, this amazing thread on community building. Um, and she had laid down four, uh, I think it was five steps for what you should do to build a community. And I'll read them out. Um, and they were just one, understand and communicate your community's purpose. Two, find a small group of people that have that shared purpose. Three, make it clear how your community can engage and contribute. Four, reward those two contributions. And five, re repeat one through four until you grow. Um, and I think that was an interesting and kind of really simplified way to kind of say how to build a community, just like bare bones. Like that's definitely what you should be following. But realistically, successfully executing is very difficult, right? I think it's like a lot of projects struggle um, in finding ways that it like it's usually between like steps two and two and four, right. Where it's a little bit hard um, is like, you start to lose folks because they don't understand where to engage and contribute. And then they, some folks who do engage and contribute don't necessarily feel rewarded. So it's important to kind of figure out ways to reward them. And it doesn't always have to be through financials. Like I know for us, we've rewarded in a lot of different ways. Like we did give a pug hug NFT that was rarer than the rest of the collection to the original folks who were curators. So that first 300 all were got free airdrops of the rarest NFT in our collection as a thank you for getting involved but i mean that's one aspect of rewarding you can always reward in, in different ways whether it's community events poaps um special opportunities um merchandise like you can you can think you can get really creative on ways to kind of um incentivize and make folks feel you know like that their contributions are valued um one-on-one -on -one time personal time office hours, things of that nature where folks can really kind of sit down and, you know, talk to you about whether they, you know, the, whether it's the project or they just want to kind of get to know you. Um, it really just comes down to the kind of the feeling of shared attitudes, thoughts, goals, and interests, right? Because that's really what community is. Um, if you're a project looking to start building their community from square one, I would approach folks similar to yourself, get them to align with the vision and how can they, how, and really explain and show them how they can be a part of that mission. I think the key to community building is painting the picture with them as a part of it, uh, with kind of your community members as a part um, and showing them exactly where they fit in. Right. I think um, making that positive change towards a shared goal makes the, all the difference. And I think 
showing folks kind of from the get-go, like this is where you you play a part and this is how you can continue to play a part is really, I think, key. Um, I think a lot of projects struggle. They get, you know, they get that initial wave of folks excited and then they, they start losing those folks or hemorrhaging those folks um, because they aren't sure about what to do with them next. And I think continually kind of testing the limits, trying new things is always really important when it comes to kind of playing around with ways to retain, ways, ways to excite, ways to delight, ways to surprise, um, just all kinds of different approaches are definitely um, encouraged in this space. I think it's like, you see all these projects kind of going for the same tactics and, you know, when some, when somebody kind of does something different, it really does stick out. Yeah. I, I really like what, what you talk, um, the language that you use there, um, playing around, like, I, I know that that's not um, uh, very technical, but mm-hmm. it, I think it cuts the chase around, you know, just be brave and just try different things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, and you named so many different kind of um, qualities there, like, you know, ways to surprise, ways to excite, ways to, you know, make people kind of feel, feel different emotions. Um, and I guess that, maybe that cuts to the crux of it. it. It is about emotion. You know, it is about kind of making people feel a certain way, feeling belonging, yes, but also feeling that element of surprise or feeling that element of happiness, something that they can come back to time and time again, um, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, kind of have that reason to to jump back into the Discord or to jump back into the, you know, the, that community's Twitter. Um, so I think you touched upon some really interesting, interesting ways that you can think about not just not just kind of starting in community building but also you know once you've once you've got that core group and and once you've kind of built that core group and and you're building out further okay yes it's about maintaining and i think that yes that you know those elements that you mentioned there will be really crucial in in that kind of maintaining phase which is which is never ending right like you want to keep people (laughs) with you (laughs) perpetuity really (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, maintaining a community is, like, one of those things that's definitely daunting for a lot of folks. I think, like, once they get, like, a lot of folks, like, are like, oh, you know, like, once I mint out, it's going to be fine. Once I mint out, it's going to be fine. I think once you mint out, that's when the real work starts. Um, Like, minting is the easiest part, I think. Um, And once you get kind of to the end of mint and then you have this community kind of who are just like, hey, what's next? That's when I think your work really starts as a community manager. But ultimately, if you're looking for kind of the best practices for maintaining a community, like, I would say continue to show up and be be accessible to them. I mean, I think like the one thing that I've been learning alongside with like the entire hug team and like I was talking to Debbie about this just the other day uh, is that folks notice that you're there still, you know, like uh, with the bear, almost every discord is down. Go to any discord you were in three or four months ago, regardless of the project, it's way less active than before, regardless of if it's a blue chip or just a passing project. Right. Um, And I think continuing to show community members that you care and that you're attentive to their needs and that you're still interested in their building and doing it um, just kind of publicly is just really important to kind of maintain that level of like morale. Um, even if folks drop off, the folks who stick around will really take notice that you've stuck around. And I think that those are the folks that are ultimately really going to push the, you know, push, push the needle for you when things pick back up, right? Because they're going to be like, this is the one project that survived everything while everything else failed that this project continued to show up. And I think even if it sounds hard and like, you know, it's like continue to show up every day, continue to show that you care every day, even when it's really hard. Cause I mean, there are days where you log and you're like, dude it's not going well today. Like I'm having a rough day, but you know, if you continue to show up, people see that and they, they know like every day I come on, I'm going to have a daily update from Lauren, no matter what. Right. Like, and they, they can, they can trust in me for that. And I can trust in them to, to, to give them that. So I think like on a more general note, like keep folks in the know, right. Like be friendly, be approachable. But I mean, ultimately people will not miss the fact that you're there showing up daily and continuing to build. I think web three is hard because you have to be willing to show up daily and you have to do it public you have to be willing to build in public um and i think that's really hard for a lot of folks because sometimes that involves failing in public um but i ultimately think don't be afraid to take some calculated risks and try different things out with your community if you've got a good base if you've got a good strong foundation of kind of the, those core members you'll figure out what works and what doesn't and those folks will give you honest feedback um i think building up that kind of rapport with those kind of initial folks is really what helps to drive um, you know, customer discovery as you go on and like what folks kind of are looking for from the space or from your project. And, you know, I, like I said, don't be afraid to fail in public. It's okay. 
um, I think that's what's difficult about Web3 is like, you know, if I leave a project, am I obligated to say it, right? Like if I, am I, if I change roles, do I have to tell everyone? Like, is, is you know, is there like that level of transparency? Um, I think with maintaining community, it's just key to just continue to show up for them, continue to, you know, put forth your best effort and kind of keeping the morale high, showing folks that you care and just thinking outside the box in terms of like doing kind of different activities just to try it all out. Um, I know I've been a proponent of pretty strange Twitter activities on my own account um, that are just all over the place. And so, you know, I, I do those as experiments to test kind of what the community responds to. And it also gives me kind of a testing, when I do it on Twitter, I can do it outside of our community on Discord. So it's a little easier to see kind of what trends stick with people who might be newer or in different facets of like similar communities. Um, and that's kind of something I played with, yeah. I, I was thinking about that experimentation um, side, like you, you mentioned like play and experiment. Like I think, yeah, not being afraid to um, try new things is is going to be a big, um, you know, factor in, in having a successful community. Um, and I think people appreciate that, you know, that people want to try new things, right? Because that's what this this space is it's it's a lot of like let's see if this works <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally um, and, oh and for our listeners can you um share a little bit about your your extracurricular um twitter activities <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah um i think it all started like I, I would say like right after nft nyc it all started when i decided to create this prompt on Twitter. I think I was just trying, I think I was just feeling stressed at the time after all of the activities. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to just do this for fun. And I said, drop your PFP. I'll make, I'll draw you a shitty version of it. Like I'll draw you an absolute garbage version of it. Cause I'm not that great of an artist um, in terms of like an illustrator. So I was like, just, just drop whatever. Um, and I'll just, I'll just like, literally I time it to like less than like a minute or 30 minutes, three minutes. I don't remember what I timed myself to. I, I was trying to spit them out really fast so that they would purposely be extra bad. Um, and so I did that as just a way to kind of garner some joy. I think the markets were down at the time. It was like kind of the beginning of the, uh, of the, of the bear run. Right. Cause like NFT and I see everyone was kind of like, it was like the old last morale booster we had. Right. So um, I was, I, yeah. So I just made this prompt that was like, you know, drop your PFP. I'll make you a crappy version of it. And I ended up turning that into a performance art piece for fun. And I called it Salvalor, um, like Salva, Salvador Dali, but Salvalor. Um, so I called it Salvalor and I made a collection. So basically what I did was I said, if I drew you a picture, I'll mint it for you. and I'll give it to you for free um, as, a, as a gift, just an experiment of like radical generosity, right? It doesn't cost me anything to, to mint it. I list it for you. You pay like a buck in gas. You can have it, right? It's yours. Uh, and that kind of just blew up. People really liked the idea of just like have something whimsical, fun, kind of silly, kind of almost pointless, right? I was just doing it for fun and laughs. And the point was just to make you laugh and just give you a cursed piece of art to enjoy. Um, and next thing I know, you know, the floor is 100 ETH. Everyone's like, these are the best things ever. Everyone's using their PFP. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, I have something here um, that's interesting. But I didn't know what to do with Salvalor after that. So I just killed her off, right? I just said, well, Salvalor's dead. Like that's the, that's the performance art piece um it's just kind of like i did like this weird space i called it a scream space and i encouraged people to come in i just said just scream just come on mic and just scream like i don't care what you do <laughs> just scream and a bunch of my friends and a bunch of folks came on and then surely enough they screamed on space and i have the recording still on my computer somewhere um I, I was like i hope that this doesn't delete um and i saved the recording and it's literally just a i'm dead silent in the space and i made this artwork that would say scream and i would periodically pin it to the top of the space and people would just start screaming um, and it, it was so funny, but like, you know, that was like, after all of that, everyone felt so much joy and just felt so much excitement. And I think community is like, when you, when you look up, like, I think something that Debbie had mentioned earlier was when you look up feeling in, or I'm sorry, when you look up community in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it really calls it a feeling. And ultimately, like, that's why what I was playing with was kind of the idea of like, what can I do to kind of just garner like, you know, this, this morale boost for these folks who are, you know, among all these communities that are kind of affiliated with mine, even if they're not in hug, whatever it is. And so I played with Savalor for a while. Um, and then I did that. I dropped it, whatever. And I kind of left it at that. Uh, and then I thought about it and I was like, you know, Savalor is kind of fun, but like, what can I do kind of to gamify? I'd love to play around with more kind of Twitter games and things of that nature. So next thing I know, it's like Thursday, I think maybe like about a month later. And I was like, I have this crazy idea, guys, for a scavenger hunt. I think it'd be really fun, like a treasure hunt. 
Um, so what I did was I made a blank map, um, a blank map, which is a crappy like procreate doodle map. Like I was, it was not good. Like <laughs> my artwork's not like anything fancy blank map, but I just, I opened this thing and I called it art therapy. Uh, and I said, here's the deal. Here's my art therapy. Uh, draw what you think would be like a part of this map, right? And, and I think what ended up starting this was because I started this thing called art therapy where I drew like just a blank, like almost like stick figure. And I said, draw yourself. Uh, and I ended up taking everybody's composite draw yourself like drawings and I made them into one big collage. And I said, I called the piece, these are my web three, like these are my friends. I think this is what I called it. These are my friends. Uh, and I and I minted it and I gave it, I airdropped it to everyone who took part. So if you drew yourself, I just gave it to you for free. Again, they set the floor like 100 ETH, right? Like for whatever reason, everyone was like, oh my God, I have a piece. I've made it in time. And it's like this huge like thing people really enjoyed doing. So like that's kind of led what led to the treasure hunt. So I think on a Thursday is like I finished all my work for the week and I was like, you know, I'm ahead of schedule. I'm going to do something crazy. So I built out this really intricate kind of treasure idea. So what I did was I had folks, I, I posted the map and I said, here's the art therapy prompt. Draw something that you envision to be on this treasure map. And then I created this like faux treasure like hunts. Basically what I did was I put whatever, whatever, if you drew something and you posted it and you replied to me by a certain time, I took your piece, I transparented the background and I put it, your drawing onto the actual map itself. And then I split the map into 12 pieces and I minted each piece as additions. So each edition, if you bought it was, or if you, well, if you drew it, I actually reserved you one for free. So you could pick up the edition no matter what. And then the point of the edition was that um, when you opened the edition, there was an unlockable content and the unlockable content took you to a Google doc that gave you instructions for how to get involved with the treasure hunt. So basically I didn't announce or tell anyone there was a treasure hunt involved. I just started switching my profile picture to a pirate version of like a doodle that I drew of myself. And I just started saying arg, like all of a sudden, like I was just like arg, arg. Um, and po folks were like, what is going on? Like, what is she on about? Um, and I started being like, there's a treasure hunt. Like there's treasure at stake. Ahoy, mateys. And people were like, what the hell are you fucking talking about? You know what I mean? They, they were like, I have no clue what's going on. Um, and so I was like, just go make your piece and you'll find out. So when people went in, they were unlocking the unlockables and seeing, okay, there's a password protected Dropbox. There's a whole bunch of instructions. And at the very bottom, each piece. So I minted after the the reason I split the treasure map into 12 uh, was because each each word that you could figure out that unlocked the Dropbox was a piece of a seed phrase. So ultimately, if you got to the end, uh, uh, and what basically what I did was each edition had one hint, and one hint gave you one of 12 pieces of the seed phrases. So what you had to do is you had to collaborate with other people who had other parts of, of different maps to combine your seed phrase words together to unlock the wallet. If you could unlock the wallet, then you could, there was a coupon that I put inside the wallet. I just crappy coupon I made that says redeem for your prize. Uh, but you had to, the instructions on the NFT were basically to DM me. And when you DM'd me, I gave you the option to either betray everyone that you helped and claim it for yourself or claim it for everyone and everyone gets an airdrop. Uh, and so I made people make the decision of like, do you want to work with the people that you just met for this project or not? Um, and so the whole impetus and kind of test of the idea was kind of, can I get people from across communities to get involved and get to know each other without realizing it? And it was a success. It was a success. I mean, those folks still talk to each other to this day. Um, they work together in like random discords. Like we're jumping from discord to discord. Be like, hey, do you guys have this piece? Because what I did was like, in, uh, depending on where I put your artwork on the map piece, I allocated one of those pieces to you. If, if your artwork was on that piece, I would allocate one of the pieces to you. And then I would tag your Twitter as, as uh, one of the attributes on the NFT. So folks could dig you up and be like, hey, I know you have piece number two. What's the word? I have the word for this one. Um, and I wrote these really crazy like riddles to solve the seed phrase at the, at the bottom of everyone. So like certain people were coming in and trying to think like, oh, I'll buy every single edition and I'll figure it all out myself. But they realized I had one really hard question that was like, extremely difficult to figure out that people got stuck on for like two or three hours. Um, and they ended up having to work together anyway. So folks were like combining. And so they were coming into like kind of fi the finish line. And I had enough basically to just airdrop everyone a prize, but it was kind of just this fun experiment of like whether people would try to work together um, and kind of gave me ideas for like ways to build that community without making folks feel like it was really, like they had to do it like actively, right? Like people were just like, I wanted to really figure out this little puzzle and get a prize. And if I have to work with other people, I will, like they just, they just will, right? Um, so I took that idea and I, I, I don't know what it compelled me to do this, but like a month later, I like what came back tenfold, I said, art therapy is back. And I drew a window. Uh, and what I did for that was I drew a window, a blank window. And I said, draw somebody or a person or a character that's inside this window. 
Um, and then what I did was I said, give this, give your character a name, give your character a personality type, uh, and give your character a, um, I think it was like a, a name personality type and an occupation is what I did. So people were like, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm kind hearted, I'm, you know, whatever. And then some people were like, I'm like really sus. I'm like a traveler, whatever. So people were just creating these characters. And then at the end, I basically said, everyone who's created a character, you're now in a game of mafia. And so I basically built out this game on Twitter and I opened a DM, put everybody into it. And I said, you're now in a game of mafia. Among you, there are three, there are three, there are three killers. There's two doctors and then there's one cop. I already talked to all those people beforehand. So they already know who they are and they've been colluding with each other for multiple days. So like the doctors, <laughs> everyone, so like the killers who are already in a group chat with me for multiple days, like talking about how they would convince everyone else that they weren't a killer. And basically what I did was every day at the same time, I would tweet a message that would update like who the, who the, so each night, it basically, if you've never played mafia, it's essentially just a game where there's like two killers hidden amongst a bunch of civilians. And then it works in day and days and nights. So in the nighttime, the killers get to choose who they want to kill. And then the daytime you decide you, figure out who they killed the doctors can protect somebody and then the cop can find out the real identity of somebody so these people are all working in the background to try to figure out who the killers are and the civilians are in there trying to just figure it all out through the chat so that ended up being like the funnest game um the chat went up for like a week and a half of people just like dming and accusing each other back and forth um <laughs> killers getting weeded out cops coming forward doctors coming forward you know like spin-off accounts being made like stuff that i didn't even anticipate were gonna happen like suddenly like I think like four days in, suddenly like Ghost Bureau of Investigation, the GBI, that account popped up and I was like, that is not me. Everyone thought it was me. It was not me. Um, and there was all these other pieces of like accounts, like there's somebody making a murder board tracking all of like the different murders that were happening and like who was accusing who in the chat. Um, and it was it was crazy. It was a really fun time. Um, and it was just an experiment, I guess, again, of just like whether people would be interested in this kind of thing. And these folks, you know, had never spoken to each other. A lot of them were in communities that did not, you know, have anything in common. And I just stuck them all in there. I said, now you guys are gonna, you're at odds with each other. Find out the killers are or die. <laughs> and then uh, what I ended up doing was I turned um, I turned everybody's window into like the side of an apartment building. And I minted that. And if, at the end of the game, I gave everyone um, because the killers all got caught. So what I did was I put jail bars over their windows and then I put everybody on this kind of whole thing and i gave them a um a, a free airdrop for you know getting involved um and playing along but it was a lot of fun i mean it was just kind of like another experiment and kind of playing with what games work like if people really like the idea of getting involved with these and you know it was a hit um and i think that's lucky i haven't done one since because it takes a lot of work uh but it is fun to kind of just run those kind of extracurriculars and test the communities and you know find that kind of like uh interest and gauge that interest from kind of a a Twitter perspective of like, do these people really care about this? Do these people like this? Um, you know, it's a good way to just soft try something and then try to repurpose it for a community or repurpose it for something in the future. Um, and so it was, you know, it was a lot of fun to kind of play with those. Um, There's a lot of crazy accusations being flown around by the time Mafia came around. And it was funny because I had the, I had been like, oh, it's art therapy. And they're like, what kind of therapy is this? I'm stressed. <laughs> I might die tonight. Like, <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it ended up being really a really fun game. And folks really took a liking to it. And so there was, you know, these channels being built out on all these different discords for like people who are colluding and trying to figure out, you know, who's who and people lying to each other in DMs and whatnot. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Because I was like, oh, well, we've kind of built that friendship, right, through the treasure hunt. I wanted to test that friendship test kind of like that that strength of community with mafia and so that was kind of the reason i did that um so it tends to be that i do launch kind of weird games out of the blue sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i'm like i think so yeah <laughs> you're a um you're a, um basically you're like a, a closet like what's the word like the most clever person in the world uh <laughs> I can't think of the word but yeah I mean the intricacies of that is insane that is amazing Debbie and Randy are so lucky to have you over at Hug that is incredible <laughs> it's definitely like a um kind of a test of like kind of what's going on I remember like when I initially did Salvo lore I think like I was like DMs that, so I did Salvalor like over the course of a weekend. And like when I logged back into Hug, like half of the Hug team was like, where's my Salvalor? The hell? Like, <laughs> you know, like our, our dev Dave's like, when's my, where's mine? Randy's like, where's mine? And Debbie's like, come on, when's mine? And I'm like, okay, I got to start drawing, I guess. I was like, can I do this on the clock, guys? I, I mean, I was doing that on my own time, but I guess I'll do it now. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun in terms of just, you know, getting kind of 
bringing that level of delight, right? I think like one thing I really like love about the space is people who are thinking outside the box on how to get folks interested in things. Like it isn't always just, you know, come to the website and do this, right? Like it can be fun. It can be different. It can be out of the, you know, out of the kind of norm of how things work. And I think that's kind of the, the goal with a lot of my like art therapy or Salvador related endeavors is just like playing with the, the limitations of like what you can do with community um, and kind of playing with the limitations of like, just, just like almost, almost um, guiding, I guess, folks into kind of a mindset that's different from what they understand for community and different from that of like, just trying to flip this NFT for X, one, uh, X amount of money, right? Like, cause I think what, what I thought was really interesting was like one thing I went out of my way to do, especially with art therapy, was just make everything free. Salvador is free. Art therapy is free. It's always free. I never charge anything. Folks have always said like charge something or like <laughs> put a percentage in or something. And I'm like, no, I don't really care. It's it's not, it's not really what it's about. Like if I wanted to make money, like I would make, I would sit down and try to make a whole project. Right. Like I, I don't, that's not really my goal. Um, so what I ended up doing, yeah, was just creating this kind of, you know, really immersive, really fun, like accessible um, way to get involved. You know, like people were noticing like other people doing this treasure hunt. They're like, how can I get involved? I was like, I minted extras. You can go grab one. It's free. You know, it's zero, zero ETH. Go, go crazy. Um, and if you, you know, were able to, you know, use kind of your community to solve it, I gave you that airdrop. And then those folks just assigned their own value to those airdrops, right? Like you look at like the Salvador floor, it's like insanely high. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't do any of that. It's just, you know, folks are just like, I had a lot of fun and it means a lot to me. So the, you know, it shows kind of the power of like what community can do for you in your NFT project, right? When they really believe in you or have conviction or really enjoy what you're doing, they were going to set the floor high. And I think like that's one kind of common thing you see with a lot of projects, like the obsession over the floor price, the obsession over whether or not this is going to be profitable, whether or not this is going to be, you know, it's going to help me in some way. And I think like it's just stripping all of that away to its bare bones of just saying like, here's what it is. Here's community. It can, it doesn't have to be something that's always, you know, going to lead to something that's going to be monetarily, you know, um, a payoff or whatever it is. Like, I think that was what I was kind of doing with those projects is just like testing those limits of like what, where people see value, like can value come that's not monetarily or financially. Um, and just playing with that kind of idea of delight, right? Like, I think that's one thing I've learned from like the free mint meta was kind of like that surprise aspect of, of bringing delight, bringing kind of these crazy new innovations to the space and thinking about it from that kind of standpoint. So it's a lot of fun um, to do that. And I'm, I'm glad I kind of have a space to just kind of do it and test it on folks and folks are so kind of receptive to it too. I, I wasn't sure how it would go. Honestly, when I was building out the treasure hunt, my biggest fear was like, I launched this and no one cares. <laughs> and, I, and I spent like eight hours writing like all of these things or whatever. Um, but it ended up being fun and I, I'm looking forward to it a lot. In terms of October too, if folks are interested and um, who are listening, I definitely have some October stuff planned. So I'll say that. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. I, um, I'm really, really inspired um, to hear about like, even just like this idea, this like, yeah, it's just this process that you have of like, let's experiment, let's play, um, you know, immersive gamification. Like these are, you know, things that are really big in Web3 and the metaverse and you're, um, yeah, you're like leading the way by just just experimenting and having fun and testing things. And, and it's a great example of how, um, like you said, like you start something, but then the community takes it somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. that you never expected. Um, so that's like, I think another really good sign of a healthy community is like when they feel empowered and they have the tools to then take it to the next level. So I love that. Totally. Yeah. And it's like, it's so exciting to see them, you know, take off. Like I remember with Mafia, mm -hmm. it was like all these accounts popping up, tagging me, like this random lore people were creating for their characters. Like I remember one of the killers uh, even animated herself like with a knife uh, when she got revealed. She was like, it was me. Because um, she was like, <laughs> oh, it's actually the character Ashlyn, the artist Ashlyn had created her character oh, yeah. a bunch of pigeons and she had a paper bag, but then she ended up animating her hand coming out of the paper bag and it was actually a knife. <laughs> Uh, and then there was like uh, uh, our friend Dr. Yoon over here. So Yoon Wild was also a killer at the time in this game, uh, and she was masquerading as like a as a gut doctor, like a totally like friendly gut doctor. Uh, and then at the end, like when she 
uh, when she got found out, she actually made this like burner, like fake lawyer account who like sent out this like mail that was like, Dr. Yoon is not guilty. Like da, da, da. it was like, like was arguing on her behalf and stuff. And so I was like, that was all stuff that I did not have planned. Like that was not part of my plan at all. When people started taking it into their own hands, I just let it go. You know, I was like, you know, what? that's what, that's it. The community is going to take this and just run with it. So I'm just going to do what I need to do, show up and, you know, guide, have the guidelines for them, but they can take it and run with it as, a, as much as they'd like. Um, and, it, you know, it was a lot of fun to kind of do that um, and just kind of see folks enjoy it. I mean, I thought it was a lot of it was kind of like almost a, a breather. Right. Because it's still Web3. You're still kind of still in it. Um, but, you know, it's not as, sometimes it gets really, you know, it's easy to feel fatigue in the space. So I think like having that kind of yeah. fun activity was definitely fun for everyone. Yeah. And that kind of brings us on to, um, I guess, just you said so much, and I think you would have piqued so many people's interests that are, that are listening. Um, you know, they want to they want to follow you. They want to hear more. They want to do the next scavenger hunt. Um, so it would be great if um, if you could tell everyone, like, you know, where can people find you if they're not already following you on Twitter? Um, how can they kind of how can they get more of the action? Totally. Yeah. I'm always in the hug discord. Um, they always joke that I never log off. Um, I'm like a cyborg. I always joke that I plug myself in at night. Um, I actually don't sleep. I just charge, <laughs> but yeah, generally I'm, I'm really responsive on Twitter or hug discord drop by either of those. Um, even if you're not a holder, we have a free hugs chat and the whole server is read only. Uh, so you have access into, you know, looking at what's going on in there, but we have a free hugs chat. You can come in and drop by in and talk in. So just tag me in there at lore. Um, and I'll just pop in and say hello. Otherwise, tweet at me. Uh, Laura NFT is my uh, Twitter, just L-O-R-R-N-F-T. Just holler at me. I'm always on. So, yeah, so, yeah, feel free to send me a message at any point or, you know, tag me. Um, I'll always kind of see it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, oh, my God, it was it was incredible to have this conversation. Yes. You've, I think you, you know, you've left us with so much. And um, I think you would have left all of our listeners with, with so much insight and so many kind of thoughts and tips and tricks and i think just also a whole bunch of energy as well <laughs> i'm glad yeah yeah it was awesome so thank you so much for joining us thank you thank for you. having me it was, a, it was a pleasure it was a lot of fun talking to you awesome my first it was my first podcast i think actually oh my gosh <laughs> we'll definitely have you back again so <laughs> 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 Bye. Bye.